Drama listeners, we have to stop running into each other like this. Did you know that we have a Patreon? I'm sure you've heard the word thrown around. And Connor and I have a weekly, you know, bonus platform, some might call it, called Patreama. We release special episodes, including exclusive interviews, deep dives, lessons from the luncheonette, which you just need to listen to learn what that is. And, you know, there's over 40 of them in there. If you also sign up for $5 a month, you're supporting us. You're ultimately supporting you because you're also getting access to the close friends where we spill all of the tea. You will get first dibs on new merch and the internal love from Connor and I. $5 a month, Patreon access. Check it out via the link in our bio or at patreon.com backslash the drama podcast. We also have a little bit of summer merch left, so get your sticky fingers all over it. All right, time for the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an They have to know. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we, we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love. And life in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the, world. the world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Connor, I gotta tell you, I almost forgot our intro, just as we were going into that. Isn't it weird how sometimes that happens? Yes, it's something we say all the time. And then all of a sudden it almost left my brain. It's like that actor's dream where like you're supposed to go on stage and you forget all your lines. And mm-hmm. I have actual dreams about that at night, even though I'm not an actor and... Yeah, anyway. I have dreams about it, too, and I always, we're always in the middle school where we did all of the community theater productions. Funny. Like, I'm always backstage. Like, you know, like, where we did Beauty and the Beast? I'm always backstage there. Where we did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Trust. So we're talking about dreams and a musical about dreams. Wait, what did he see in his dreams? Does anyone know the plot of that show? Yeah, he saw, like, famine. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. He was, like, a prophet. Okay, Dylan, I'm excited to talk to you for a second. Because... I think nature is healing in a way because the girls are back. The real housewives of Potomac are back in our lives. And I didn't realize how much I needed them. I realized the minute that it started and it was so much better than real housewives of New York has been this season. Oof, I know. I know. I know. Why aren't the other girls doing it? I mean, Beverly Hills has been good this season. I know you don't watch that one. But... I don't. I think that it's that New York is a smaller cast and they were in the throes of COVID. Whereas I feel like with Potomac, Things were getting a little better, and they added in some. Okay. Uh, their cast is bigger. I mean, it's just there's five, I think, in New York, or maybe seven in Potomac. Just five. I know there's seven in Potomac, and apparently there's a friend of joining later on. But is it is it my girl Charisse back? <laughs> the Charisse Assance is never coming, Dylan. It's just not her champagne room. Is I don't think we'll ever see her. Again. I think she quarantined in there. I think she's been in there since since COVID. She was hit. ready. She had her alcohol stocked up for the lockdown. She did. But no, I know. I think the New York cast just is lacking chemistry in general, but the Potomac women bring it every year. Is there a better feud, friendship, frenemy dynamic than Giselle and Karen? I mean, come on. No. It, I'll never get tired of it. It's been going on for six seasons now. They know so much about each other because they always remind you. I've known Karen for and a they, decade. They always show that one throwback later. pic, too. That one photo. <laughs> I know. How about when they're at the end of the premiere, which if also listeners, if you're not watching Potomac yet, we've only been talking about it on the podcast since Inception, but it's 
it's, I think it's the best Real Housewives franchise um, consistently across all seasons. The wives are the best. There's four OGs currently in the cast after six years. I mean, it's it's truly beyond. Mm-hmm. But how about at the end of the premiere of season six when Karen and Giselle are fighting at the table and Karen's like, you're a broke whore from Hampton University. And something about going to Sing Sing, it was nonsense. Yes. But she fired off these reads. It, it was just art. Karen Huger is it the is. moment. She is. I don't even know if she thinks about these things before she says them, but she's able to craft words like Rumpelstiltskin making gold out of, what is it, yarn? I don't know. I don't even know. Regardless. And then I later saw in Watch What Happens Live that she said that she wanted to throw in the Sing Sing joke because she thought that it it got a little dark and she wanted to bring some comedy (laughs) to the moment. See, she knows what we want. She knows what we need. And she thought Sing Sing was a loony bin, not a prison. (laughs) It's a prison. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I was also just like cracking up about her, Giselle's hot box. I mean, it was, it gave us everything. Anyway, bef- before we continue rambling and rambling and rambling, because our guest has been nodding along. So I have a feeling they know about the Potomac women just from this, these, this little intro convo we're having, which is a relief because I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm comforted mm. by a new friend who automatically feels like family because they know. The wives do that. Connor. The wives do it. I know. I know. And also there's a new wife, which we'll discuss all this. So Dylan, would you please bring in our guest before we get ahead of I ourselves? Will. This is this is a gag. Everyone needs to bow down for our guest today, a king of the great bright way. We have royalty in the house with the leading man from Disney's The Lion King, who took over as Simba in 2018. Before his hair, body, face were plastered all over Times Square, our guest appeared in the national tour of Chicago, in the out-of-town tryout of The Last Goodbye at the Old Globe, and in the original Broadway companies of Rocky and A Bronx Tale, which we loved, where he played Tyrone. You might recognize him from Love's Labor's Lost at the Public Theater, The School for Scandal, and Ragtime at Ellis Island. On television, he's recurred on Kung Fu on The CW as Joe, Power Book 2, Ghost as Everett, which looks steamy, I'm not, I'm not too sure, and Mozart in the Jungle. He's a triple threat who recently released his own sickening original music as well. You can now stream Fool wherever fine music is found as well as watch the official music video on YouTube. He is a leader, advocate, star, and role model. He is the pride of Broadway. Please welcome to drama, Bradley Bradley Gibson! Gibson. Oh, that intro is going to make me cry. That was so kind. Thank you. It's all true. It's all true, Brad. Brad, as you said. Brad, Brad, are you a broke whore from Hampton University? (laughs) I'm not a broke whore from Hampton, but I do think... I'm um, the campaign manager for Karen Huger. Karen Huger for president. I've been telling friends that all week. Karen Huger for president. Well, you know, I think I saw you in that press conference that she held where there were no press present all those years ago <laughs> when she was wearing the camo jumpsuit. I was running the show on the side. Yeah. I don't want to be seen. I knew I recognized you. <laughs> Obsessed. Wait, so you do you love the Potomac Wives? I love Potomac. I've watched since the first episode. I watch... Um, Many of the franchises I watch: Potomac, I watch Atlanta, I watch Beverly Hills, and I watch New York. That oh, those my girls and my friends. We have a, um, a text group that we always update each other on because one of my best friends has a um, a podcast called Dumpster Dive. You should listen to it. Where he, him and his sister just dive into all things housewives and reality TV. They're on Patreon, everything. So I love them. Oh, oh my god, god I would love fun. that podcast. Wait, okay, so on the topic of Atlanta, do you think Sheree and Phaedra are coming back like the rumors are saying? And if I would be gagged if that I mean they're two of my favorites. I love Phaedra. She needs to come back. Phaedra was similar to the, those Karen one liners. 
Phaedra had the best little like zingers and jokes and the way she would phrase things. We need Phaedra back. Please. I hope so. Sheree, I love Sheree too. I love Sheree. Yeah. Sheree is so, I think she's a top tier housewife. She just, the way she would say things, like the way her confessionals would intercut with these scenes, her her little commentary was just amazing. Like, <laughs> she just had such an interesting perspective on the world. I think that's the art of, of the housewife shows too. It's like being a master of those interviews, right? Like saying the right thing, wearing the right thing, and just knowing exactly what the fans want. Yes. And it seems like Wendy is going to deliver that this season. Miss Wendy? Professor Wendy is not playing with us. I know. Many ways from that new body (laughs) to just, she's giving it to us this year. So I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that I need to write a dissertation on the art of a second season housewife compared to a RuPaul's Drag Race queen who comes back for all stars. They come back with with some enhancements, maybe some better looks. Mm-hmm. There's always a glow up. Yes, there's a glow up, right? Yes. Always, definitely. You're, you're definitely. right. They usually have the, at least the queens usually have new teeth, new lips. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and Wendy's doing teeth it too. Is the first thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's so always funny. a new mouthful of like horse teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching um, All Star Season 6 on Paramount TV Plus? Yeah, I am because uh, Jan is a college classmate of mine. Uh, Jan was a year behind me in school. So. At Boston Conservatory, right? Yes, yes. Oh, how fun. Okay, so are you rooting for Jan? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Sam, I'm always Team Jan. Yes, I, Jan forever. I'm so proud of Jan. I always think Charlie is. Yeah. Uh, Jan's given name, birth name. <laughs> government, government name. Government name. I never knew that. Um, but I am so proud to know them. It's crazy to, to, to see, you know, I think about Jan, I think about all my friends and classmates from school. I'm sure they think the same about me, right? Seeing someone get to college, usually not from um, that, that city that the college is in, and seeing them just grow as the years go on. And now we're past a decade from when I met Jan or those other friends and just seeing all those life changes and turns and the growth. It's amazing. They probably walk around Times Square and they see you everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) Which is (laughs) crazy to think about. Those beautiful Lion King posters and everything. Oh my God. Which we will get get into. Right, Bradley? That is me. Amazing. That is me. Those are your nipples all over Times Square. My nipples. Isn't it? It's so dumb. Sometimes I will see it. I'll see it and I'll be like, this is so stupid. Why am I on top of the Disney store? Brad said free the nipple. Yes, he did. Were were you a big Disney kid growing up? Huge. Especially, um, there were a couple of movies that I watched on repeat, that sort of golden age of Disney. So Mm -hmm. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, those are the four that I just constant repeat. Agreed. Those that was our era. I think we're around the same age. So mm-hmm. I th- that was definitely those years. And it's really cool that we were so lucky that those are the ones they turned into Broadway musicals too. Yeah. And it's cool too. I was thinking about how much I love them. I think I love them too now that I, I understand it better. Um, it's because they were built like Broadway musicals, right? Mm-hmm. The great Alan Menken, Howard Ashman, like those guys are from the theater, so they, 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 they changed Disney and kind of revamped Disney because they kind of showed them how to make these movies feel like a live musical. That's yeah. a great Wait, point. that's so true. Yeah. I never yeah. thought about that. Wait, I'm like actually gagged right now thinking about how you, 
then you were in Alan Menken's non-Disney musical, A Bronx Tale, all these years later. That's crazy, right? Yeah, I got to know Alan. I know Alan really well. I've been to his house. We've talked. I've asked him probably every corny fan question known to man. I've been drunk and told Alan that you helped raise me. Like everyone <laughs> probably has who was young, you know? Like I love Alan Menken. He's a legend. Uh, I think, was it during the... I don't know if it was the the Sondheim tribute, or I know they did those Disney from home things. Carol Lindsay was in one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was her husband it was mostly Tarzan. just Derek but, Huff dancing in a kitchen, I think. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. But they had, like you saw in Alan Menken's home in a few of them, and he's got like these gorgeous posters and memorabilia everywhere. Like, he's he's in on it too, you know? He loves memorabilia, it too. Oscars. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, wait, does That's, he have Tonys? I... I think he has them all. I think Alan's an EGOT. Okay, he should be if he's not. We need to we need to find out. If he's not, let's just give him one. I know it's one of those things where come on. Yeah, he he deserves a few. It's like how Julie Andrews is just the Tony away from the EGOT. It, isn't it crazy that she doesn't have one? I always assumed that she did. It wasn't until mm-hmm. I got into college and you know you actually learn about musical theater i was like wait she doesn't that doesn't make any yeah and everyone said she would have won the year for victor victoria but oh right that was the year when she was like the only nominee she turned it away she turned it down yeah deuces she said she was everyone was egregiously overlooked in her company anyways okay bradley we're we're getting into a lot of things we're we're diving into disney but i am curious about one thing are you are you doing well are you well I am. I'm doing really well. I feel like every every week, every weekend, New York and the world just becomes more back to life, more more alive, right? Which feels so good. Definitely, there is a moment. There are moments of of awkwardness or caution as we rejoin the world, right? Mm-hmm. But it feels so good to be with people and be able to to walk around without fear or incredible hesitation. And yeah, I missed. I miss life. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it too. <laughs> You're so right. Are you excited to go back on Broadway? You guys, I I am. But I can tell you here that I will not be going back to the line. Is this exclusive? This is exclusive, guys. Well, I've said it once before, but not on a, a podcast or platform. I'm not going back to the Lion King. It's, it's a wrap. Wow. It's a wrap. Okay, I need to know everything. Were you planning on going back? Are you not going back in a Karen Olivo way? Like, you know what, Broadway, this is not the Broadway I want to be working for, which I fully support that too. No, I, um, when the pandemic broke out, I was two months away from leaving the show. I had done it for two years and it was just, it was time to move on. It got to the point where, you know, doing eight shows a week is not, it's it's incredibly hard, of course, but if you do it for a long period of time, I think I don't think it's healthy for you because I think mm-hmm. that it starts it starts to wear on you in different ways that start to to uh, kind of paralyze you a bit. I think that the show it just became really hard. It became the, the moments would happen where I, I would be wondering what my lines were. I would be really tired. I wouldn't. I just needed to step away from it, and I think that things. Life was just showing me at every turn, right? Like, it's time to move on. Or I think sometimes as actors, you you often feel like you have to be so grateful and it's such a privilege. How could I leave? How could I say no to doing this? But thank God for my husband because he was the one to always remind me, you're not 
saying no to something. You've done it for two years. It's okay mm-hmm. to be done with something after two years. You know, you, I want to do more. I want to do more on stage. I want to do more on camera. I want to do more with music. I, I think I'm 30 years old and I have a lot left to do. And I don't know if that would happen if I just sat down in The Lion King wearing my Simba mask forever. Yes, that is so in- impressive. That's inspiring. I was sort of in a, in a position for years and I had so much trouble leaving. And it was finally the pandemic that allowed me the strength yeah. to leave and not go back. And so I, I completely relate. But I mean, obviously, in a much smaller scale than, you know, leading a Broadway show and whatnot. But, you, you know, you got the dream. You got to do it. Definitely. And you know what? To add on to that. I'm definitely not Karen Olivo in any sense of, of the word, but I do feel that there are few opportunities for men of color and for black men on Broadway, right? That are iconic, that are staples, that have never gone away, that will never go away. And Simba is one of them. And I am now on a list with, with, with incredible men who have played that part, right? And I don't know how much and how quickly the theater industry will change, right? Because a lot of things need to happen and change. So what can I do to open a seat for someone? What can I do to change someone's life? Because the show did change my life, right? It was a big opportunity. I got to see my face in Times Square. I got so many things from it. I want someone else to have that. I think that that's something that I can do just so easily, especially when I feel that my time doing it is over. Wow. I love that. That's incredibly generous. And you kind of zoom out and you look at the greater picture of it all. And I think that's really, really cool. Thank you. I have so much respect for you. You're awesome. Oh Oh my God. I think it's so important. I think, I I just think about how, you know, all industries that, that you're young and you enter in, it's always hard and you're always hustling and grinding. And I remember what it felt like to be, you know, pushing for, greater opportunities, right? I remember what it felt like to be a swing and wanting just to be in the ensemble every day. I remember what it felt like to want to understudy principal roles. I remember what it felt like to want to make the transition over to playing a principal role. And um, I know that that's something that's often hard to do or it feels hard to do when you're young in the industry. And when you get that chance, man, it, it, it does change your life. If it does not lead to other opportunities, which it probably will, it definitely allows you to see what else you want and what else you're capable of doing and how much you can handle. And I, I received all of that from The Lion King. So it would be a shame for me to just stay there and prohibit someone else from getting to do the same thing. Wow. I love it. That's, that's so That's so amazing. Did you enjoy playing Simba? I did. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it, it was so huge, right? It's, it's the only thing I've ever done in theater where my family flipped out. Or honestly, it's the only thing I've ever done in theater where I know that everyone who is on the earth knows what it is. And the reaction of saying that I play Simba was going to affect them, right? It was really cool in that way. It was cool because Lion King is often um, many people's first probably shows. Many mm-hmm. kids, it's their first Broadway show, right, from all over the world. And you see that every day at the show. You feel that in the audience. You feel the excitement. Yeah. But with that being said, it was a lot of pressure, too, right? Oh, Replacing yeah. in a Broadway show is hard. And it was my first experience doing that. It's, oh. it's a big moving train, right? These shows are big moving machines. And that train's not stopping for you to get on. You have to just jump on and find your seat, find a place to hold on. 
And it took me a second to really get in there and feel like I had ownership over it. But once I did, mm. it was there was so much joy involved with it. And and what better of a show to to do that with than something that is a monster like The Lion King and like Disney theatricals. It was crazy. That's so cool. Were you the only newbie when you went in? I was. Oh, that's even more pressure. Everyone's like Oh, we have another put in rehearsal or, you yeah. know, all eyes are on you. And because the show is so, so long running and so many great people have played it, you know, and so many people in the building have been in there for so long, you know, I, I felt like I had to, to come with my A game, not just for mm-hmm. the show, but for the people around me, because, you know, people are watching. Of course. Wow. Yeah. And I, everything I've heard about being in The Lion King is like. You're, you're literally in physical therapy, going to massage therapists, resting your body for for years because it's that taxing on one's everything. You know, you're giving it all and it's so hard to do. That ensemble, that dance ensemble, they are working so hard. The kind of choreography they're doing is unlike anything in any other Broadway show. And it is taxing. And I think for every person in the show, no matter if you are playing a giraffe or you are Scar, or you are Simba, everyone is asked to do something that is epic. And, and you're wearing costume pieces that are heavy on your neck and on your, your, your waist or whatever it might be. It's really hard. You wake up every day, I, well, at least I did. I woke up every day having to plan my life out, knowing that I have to be rested enough to do this 45-minute marathon. Because when Simba enters the stage at the end of Act 1... He goes away for a second, and then he comes back for pretty much the whole act two. And it's not just a walk in the park. That act two, I am running. I am roaring, literally doing a roar. <laughs> I am doing cartwheels. I'm swinging on vines. I'm picking up people. People are jumping on my back. I'm also, like, belting to the skies, singing a Z-sharp. <laughs> you know? So, so it was a lot. But... It was really rewarding, but it was a lot. Oh my God, my favorite part in The Lion King is Endless Night. Mm. Gets me every time. That, it's a beautiful song, and I never, you know, going to school for theater or pursuing it pretty much my whole life, I've known the song, and I never, I never tried to sing it, right? I never really thought it was something I would do because it was, a Z Sharp was involved, and mm-hmm. I was not trying to do that, or I didn't think I could do that. Um, but then when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, man, I get to sing this every night? Like, this is a beautiful ballad. It's And it's so emotional. And it's oh, so, yeah. um, you know, I think part of the reason why Lion King is so long-lasting, and I've said this so many times, it's because the story is, you know, told through the eyes and through the lives of animals, but it's so human, right? Everyone mm-hmm. can see themselves in these characters. Everyone can see themselves in Simba. So who cannot relate to Endless Night? Feeling like, when will the sunrise? When will this moment be over? How can I carry on? Losing someone and feeling like like you're lost without them. Feeling like you don't know how to carry on without them. Feeling like they let you down or that you're letting them down. Um, yeah, that song was really um, emotional and hard to sing sometimes for many reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a beautiful song. Uh, well, congratulations on an amazing run in The Lion King. I'm just, I'm, you know, you mentioned all the kids that go. It's their first show. And I can only imagine how special and important it was to see them, especially the young children that have never seen themselves reflected on stage before. Seeing you yeah. up there just 
doing the damn thing, you probably inspired a lot of them to want to chase their dreams too. So shout out to you. Thank you. And I I understand that because I was them. Lion King was my first Broadway show. No way. Purple, right? It was also my first movie in the movie theater. I went as a little small kid, right? Like four years old or something. And then in high school, my choir, we were doing a competition here in the city and we went to see The Lion King. And my teachers sat me in the front row of the mezzanine because oh, perfect, I was perfect a view. person. <laughs> and I could not believe what I was witnessing because I had never seen people on stage that looked like me. I had never done shows with people that looked like me. So seeing that, I left that theater just full of energy and ready to go because I felt like there was a place for, for, for me. Mm-hmm. So if, if I was a part of that, and if I, and if, if and if someone can tell me that seeing me on stage helped them figure out where they need to be, or made them feel worthy, or made them feel like they could do this crazy career too, then I'm good. That's all I ever wanted. Ah, oh, love it. Well, this actually is a perfect transition to a question we ask yes. all of our guests, which is about their own moment of recognition when they realized they wanted a life in the performing arts. We call it a ring of keys moment inspired by Fun Home. Do you feel like you had that moment, Brad? Yes, I definitely had that. Not with theater, because I grew up in a really small town in North Carolina. Um, I was raised by my great-grandmother, so going to New York and seeing theater wasn't always an option that we had but mm-hmm. what we did have was music and what we did have was our cd player our boom boxes and our our tvs watching you know all the different talk shows and i was obsessed with performers like tina turner and janet jackson and michael jackson and like seeing that fire and energy on stage and also seeing how much my grandmother loved them my grandmother was a is a huge tina turner fan so she was always blasting in my house or I would see her on like the Oprah show or Regis and Kelly, Regis mm-hmm. and what was her name? Kathy. Kathy Lee. Regis Kathy and Lee. Kathy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing those performances and being like, man, whatever they're doing, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to feel like that. Yeah. Do you feel like their music has inspired your music now as you've delved into that world? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think Janet has the coolest sexiest music in the world so sometimes when i'm with my producers and we're editing i'm like let's do some funky stuff on this let's make it feel sexy like a janet track like what can we do? okay i was gonna say in full i feel some janet vibes <laughs> good that's she is one of the inspirations for all things mm-hmm. oh i love it so much did your grandmother or great-grandmother get to see you do lion king yeah she has seen every broadway show and I'm actually looking at a picture right now um, when she came. She came with um, my aunt and my other grandmother, who, who passed away a year ago, actually. Um, three of them on stage with my husband and I, and that was an epic moment. Because, like I said, The Lion King was the biggest deal, right? Mm-hmm. They know that movie because they know how much I loved it. They know how much I was moved by the show when I saw it in high school. So they were on top of the world that day. Oh, how special. Wait, and also the fact that your husband is there. I mean, I can only imagine growing up in North Carolina, not the most open or liberal place, you know, but <laughs> no. I can imagine if you're all posed for a photograph together, there's some acceptance and, and some love there. Yeah, there's a lot of acceptance, a lot of love. I think my family 
loves Adam more than they love me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal, right? He's so um, attentive and caring and kind and intelligent. And, you know, he fits right in and adds a whole different flavor that was so needed in my family. But yeah, it's amazing to have my family accept me and my life and my husband the way that they do. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. Oh my God. How did you meet Adam? I met him on Broadway. I was oh. in a Bronx tale and he was in Aladdin. And um, Trista Dollison, uh, the amazing Trista Dollison, she was playing um, the role of Frida, one of the friends in A Bronx Tale, but she was leaving to go be in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And a friend ended up, Adam's ended up replacing her. So while she was in rehearsal, Adam would come and pick her up or come hang out with us or whatever. And I had known of him. We had never actually formally been introduced but we started hanging out and vibing, and one thing led to another. Then we started dating, and now five years later, we're married and we have a dog. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Congrats! When did you tie the knot? We got married February first. So, if you oh know, my goodness, know. that feels recent, even though it was like months ago. <laughs> yeah, it feels recent because you know what life was. We right. had a whole wedding planned, epic wedding in New Orleans. It was going to go down in New Orleans. <laughs> But of course, naturally, that couldn't happen. And then it felt like every other alternative option was kind of stomped on, too, because the world was shut down. So right. we ended up going to Vegas and eloping and having the best time. Oh, I love that. You made the most of it. Yeah. What's it yeah. called? The Little Chapel or something like that? The... Yeah, the Little White Wedding Chapel. Mm-hmm. We got married there. I feel like I've seen that in so many different movies and TV shows. Yeah, there's a whole um, there. There's like a big list of people that have gotten married there. I'm like, work. I'll take it. That's so cool. Well, congrats. Oh, my God. So he's a performer as well. He's a performer. He's a producer. Um, he's an activist. He He's the best. Oh You're in love. Yes, I love him a lot. <laughs> and there's a dog, too, so the love is shared. Yes, we have a little fur baby, a pandemic baby. <laughs> okay, yeah, we, we also, Connor and I's family got a, a pandemic baby as well, and she just turned one. I think that, you know, it, it helped a lot of us through the dark time. Dogs bring so much joy. Are you, yes, are you kidding me? I, even right now, like, we're coming out of this, but there are still some dark days for a thousand different reasons, right? But knowing I get to come home and see my little dog, and he's going to be excited to see me and wants to cuddle with me or just wants to play, it makes everything better. I love it. What's his name? Cash. Oh, very, like Johnny Cash? Cash is Clay, Muhammad Ali. Oh. Ooh. Oh, my God. Wait, so you mentioned a Bronx tale, which we loved. Loved. Why didn't more people, like, talk about a Bronx tale? I'm sure you being in it, you're probably like, yeah, what the hell? People weren't checking for a Bronx tale. But you know what? Even though people weren't checking for it, it lasted a long time. That was a great two-year run. And that's kind of... Those are, those are those rare shows, right? Those shows that don't get a lot of great press or a lot of award nominations, but they survive and have a long life. I mm-hmm. think that A Bronx Tale didn't work because I think it was a lot of things, but I think the big thing was that it just really spoke to that bridge and tunnel crowd more so than anything else. And I think mm-hmm. we were coming in a season right after Hamilton and right after those epic moments that the theater community saw and I just think we, we opened at a weird time. We didn't open in the spring like all those, you know, the hot shows normally do to get all the buzz. We opened in December. I think there were so many factors. But what I do love is that the show lasted so long and that we are all still so close. I have never been on a show Aww. where the cast was as tight 
as we are. That's incredible. Yeah, I remember that season was the year that there were the most eligible for Best Musical ever. It yeah. was like t- 16 or something new musicals came out that season, maybe more. So many shows. It was In Transit and Great Comet, Come From Away. Like, yeah. If you didn't open at the right time, you were going to get lost in the shows. And I think a Bronx dog kind of got lost in the crowd. Which is a shame because there was, you know, there's obviously the adaptation aspect. There's the Bobby De Niro of it all. And just just a great cast. I mean, we absolutely loved it. I mean, Connor and I saw it. We saw you in it. It was one of Bobby Thornton's last weekends, I want to say. So I think close to the end of the first year. I left maybe four or five months before they closed. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. 2018. That makes sense. Look at how so many amazing people have continued from that show with Ariana DeBose, obviously. She's about to be a movie star. It's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's nuts. But yeah, everyone is doing so well. And like, just like with those college friends, right? I was just saying about seeing people grow and evolve. It's so cool to see that cast keep growing and evolving. And we've had marriages, we've had babies, we've had movie stars, <laughs> we've had loss. We mm-hmm. lost Nick Rivera, which was very hard. And that was. That really brought us together in, in like a reunion sort of a way, just because, you know, we weren't in the theater together every day anymore. We weren't on Broadway. We weren't seeing each other. But man, when, when Nick was ill and when he did pass, it was so comforting to have Zooms with my cast or just text or phone conversations with people that I didn't talk to every day. Like, yeah, that was, that was a special time. And that really showed me how how special that show was and how special that moment was because I don't think that that kind of bond happens all the time on Broadway. I know it doesn't actually. I mean, even from the way that we'll talk to some people about different shows that they've done, it seems like at times it's a job and other times it's a family. And how? Yeah. And I wonder if it's also the themes of the show, being family and, and things like that also bringing people together. Probably it transferred to real life. Absolutely. I think that the themes of the show and the overall vibe of the show bleeds into the company and bleeds into the backstage environment all the time. Always. I also did Chicago on the road and that vibe bleeds into the company, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different flavor, but it was in there. But a Bronx tale is all about family and community and man, we had that. We had parties we we had a bronx show prom oh we had right we rented out a venue and everyone had to get dressed up and there was prom king and queen and we always had thirsty thursday events there were different themes backstage and our theater was small right but we had like a it was like a tower the dressing rooms in the backstage area every floor would be a different thing like you would have one floor where the cocktails would be one floor where the food would be one floor where the gangs would be like a Bronx Tale was a party. Sounds amazing. As someone who just loves the idea of Broadway and the community, that's like what I think about when I think about, you know, what I miss about Broadway is hearing stories like yeah. that. You know, the the ideas of family yeah. forming and shows sort of inhabiting these spaces only for a limited time. And then new people coming in, like, what was it, the prom yeah. that came in after y'all? So I'm sure they had great experiences yeah. there, too. And it's it's transient it's really cool yeah i think broadway what makes broadway so amazing for the people that are privileged to be a part of it is the community aspect of it i think that the pandemic showed me how small the community is when you're in it or when you're walking on those few blocks you feel like it's the biggest place in the world and when you're not a part of it and trying to get in it it feels 
impossible to become a part of it, right? But what I found during the pandemic is that Broadway is a really small community that lifts you up, and those voices within the community matter so much. And whenever you don't hear them, whenever you don't feel seen or supported, when it's not there, it's missed. Mm-hmm. It's missed. And and if we are the community and the family we claim to be, that Broadway claims to be, then I expect to see a different, improved Broadway when we come back. I sure hope so. Me too. Now, speaking of, you know, communities, I'm curious now you've you've delved into the CW, which is <laughs> one of Connor and I's favorite networks. We have an episode coming out soon with the star of uh, Roswell, New Mexico. But you're obviously recurring on mm-hmm. Kung Fu. Wait, wait, wasn't that like the biggest premiere in years? It was. What a gag that was. Literally. <laughs> I was not ready for that. But I also, it makes sense to me. Because just like I was saying, the, the, the energy of the show bleeds into the company. I think it's a little different in television. I think in television, it feels, it feels a little bit more, um, you don't feel like you're living with everyone in the same way you do on Broadway, right? Like everyone's kind of doing their own thing. You might not even see some cast members if they're not filming their scenes on the same day as you. But the second I got to Canada and start working on Kung Fu, those are the best people in the world. The actors, the crew, everyone was so kind and tight. And there was this energy of, of, of hope around because it was the first season. And it just made so much sense to me. When I saw those numbers and saw those articles, I was like, yeah, of course. And we need to see that because we need to see a cast of beautiful Asian people living their life, being a family, kicking people's butts. Like, <laughs> we haven't seen that before. And of course people want to see it. And they better keep watching because they're brilliant. Yeah. And I'm sure once the whole season hits Netflix, it'll take on like a whole nother life. And, uh, you know, are you still, are, did you finish episodes for the season or will you be back? I did finish. I finished a little early because I had to come home to start filming Ghost. So I I don't know what's going to happen with Joe season two, but I have a feeling Joe could come back. I'm putting it out there. I was like... The CW loves to do that with their characters on their shows, so... Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. and so Ghost is the power spinoff, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a smash sensation. Oh my God. It's crazy. Now that... CW and Kung Fu was one thing, but... Ghost in the power universe is a whole other thing that I was not prepared for because I didn't watch power. It was on for six years, six seasons, Mm -hmm. and I didn't catch it. I didn't have stars. I wasn't a big, I wasn't into it, right? But I auditioned for it and I got it. And once season one came out, every week people go nuts for it. People stay up until midnight to watch it early on the app. Before oh on, on actual television on Sunday night. There is not a day that goes by in New York that someone does not stop me on the street to talk about the show. When it was on currently, when the season was happening, people would stop me and like talk to me as if I was the character, telling me <laughs> what should happen to me. <laughs> I went to Trader Joe's after the season finale aired, like the day after, and I walked in and I just felt so many eyes on me. Uh- <laughs> People that worked in the store were like talking to each other and like typing in their phones and looking at me. I was like, what's going on? And finally, the people started talking to me as if I was Everett and saying that I was a snitch 
and that Monet's gonna shoot me next year and I need to watch my back. (laughs) Guys, it's really, it's a show. Oh my God. See, that's so funny because I've never seen Power either, but I'm an Entertainment Weekly aficionado. So I read every magazine cover to cover the website. I've I've been reading the recaps and reviews and interviews (laughs) with the cast of Power for as long as it was on the air. So I feel like I know a lot about the show. So I knew it had this fan base that is obsessed and I don't have stars. So maybe, maybe that should be my next binge. I'll, I'll get the stars out. And like the good wife, like you were saying earlier when we were talking, um, seasons are short. Mm -hmm. So each season is just 10 episodes, but baby, those 10 episodes, each hour, you're like, what else can happen? (laughs) Who else can die? Who else can betray someone? Who's selling these drugs? Like, it's crazy, crazy. So will we see you on season two? Yes, you will. We, um, we've been filming season two since early, um, since the beginning of the year. Oh, cool. And we're going to be done. We finished filming the end of August. Oh, so we're God. almost there. Yeah. It's getting intense, man. Oh, man. Well, d- is it taking longer because of pandemic protocols? Or does it normally take about eight, nine months to film a season? I think it takes about the same amount of time, but I do think that it's kind of slowed down the process because there's so many other hoops to jump through, right? With the COVID testing and with all the the caution around it all, it's taking a little more time. But I do know that mostly every TV show, their schedule was affected Mm -hmm. by COVID. I know that that Ghost and all shows are trying to get back on schedule to get in their normal rotation of things. Yeah. Okay, we were talking about on our on our shameless plug for our Patreon. We were talking about our Patreon on our Patreon about Riverdale, which it paused its season in like March and it's finishing the season airing in August. And then it normally starts its new season in September. So it's just all out of whack. You know, it's Well, just but it's gonna normal. it's still gonna come back for its like new season, like a month or two after this current season ends. I feel kind of bad for this cast. They're doing this twenty two episode se- you know, series where they are quarantined in Canada. They're, I know that Riverdale has had to shut down multiple times because of like positive cases. It sounds like it's been a stressful experience, but they're doing it for the art, right? And the paycheck. Yes, for the art and for for that content, because we all found during the pandemic how we, we need it. Yes. Right? Like television didn't stop. And we we're so like every week I had something new, like a new show, a new suggestion. Mm-hmm. We jumped on it and we just took it all in. So I get it. When, when real life truly resumes, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with everything that I started in the pandemic granted it was a rich year for like miniseries so like thankfully a lot of those are one-offs and whatnot speaking of content that came out in the pandemic i do want to talk to you about your music which we touched on earlier so you released fool in the fall yeah first of all i'm obsessed with the song but the music video just elevates it to a whole new level it is gorgeous thank you thank you thank you i was just someone posted about it yesterday and i was looking at it and i was like i haven't watched it in a while I, I was telling Adam, I was like, man, I still love this so much. Almost a year later, I'm so proud of it. It's one of the things that currently, like if it were all to end today, like what would I be the most proud of? That would be one of the things. Just because I made it, right? We made it. My husband and I made it together along with a great group of people. And I never imagined having my own art out like that and to have it come together in such a beautiful way. During a pandemic, I'm so proud of that video and that song. Oh, I'm obsessed. Can you fix me up with any of the men that were in it? Okay, anyway. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, I recognized a few Broadway guys, Darius Wright and Roderick Covington. Uh-huh. Like I, I recognized uh-huh. a few of those faces. Yeah, you got to you got to call the fam up when you're doing something. Always call up the fam. Mm-hmm. That's the first call. Yes. Can you do this with me? <laughs> Can you show up? And they did. And they did. And where did you film? We filmed it at um, Contra Studios in Chelsea, and that beautiful outdoor space. I think it's called um, Bicentennial Park. It's in Connecticut. Okay. About two hours outside of the city. The director of the video actually um, grew up in that area. And the second we started having meetings about the video and what we wanted from it, he had the perfect location. And it was oh my god, it was epic. It was beautiful. Can we expect any more music? Absolutely. I have so much more music. But like, I, like most things, the pandemic really changed up my plan. Of course. Um, just because even finishing all the edits for the songs themselves, my producers are in L.A. So... Working with them virtually or working with them when they come here or figuring out a time I can go there when I'm not filming. or it, It's been weird, but it's still happening. And I do consider myself a visual artist, too, just with how my brain works. When I write a song, when I'm recording a song, I always kind of see something visually there as well. So I hope that when I continue to do it, I can continue to make visuals that kind of create a narrative that allows it to make sense because I, I I love pop music and I love creating the music, but I think another level of that, it's having a visual going with it. It just, I'm a storyteller. I'm an interpreter naturally. Mm-hmm. That's what I do for a living. So if I can allow that to also be a part of my music, that's the goal. Beyonce does it too. I mean, look at you. Love. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So we are wrapping up now and we like to end on a dose of drama, something to leave our listeners with, maybe a recommendation, something you want to rant about, rave about, just some drama to um, send us off into the world with. And I'm going to start. Okay. So last summer, Troy Sivan released an EP called In a Dream. And there was an interlude song on it called Could Cry Just Thinking About You. And I'm obsessed with it. And he released a full length version of the song. And it I, it has been on repeat for me nonstop. It is just so sad and beautiful. And I'm obsessed. And I love the vibe. And uh, everybody go stream it. Dylan, dose of drama. Okay, my drama is not a recommendation. It's more of like a, I guess you could call it a rant in a way. So a lot of my friends have started returning to work and going back to their offices. And I have to say I'm a little disappointed in the world, the the world of company culture. And, you know, you had over a year, maybe a year and a half to change your ways. You, you know, I've read all those articles about maybe, maybe working from home has changed the way we do nine to fives. Maybe, you know, from what I'm hearing, nothing has really changed for a lot of companies. Some companies have let people fully go virtual or fully do other things, but I'm hearing that some people in places are back to their own tricks and schemes. And I'm very sad because clearly I think we all took a collective breath in March of 2020. And we all said, wow, I needed a break. We were all go, go, go. And now we're going right back into that same grind with no regard. And this is, I'm very, very, very general here because I have so many friends across so many different industries who are experiencing this, but I'm just a little disappointed and sad. And it's why I don't really want to return to a traditional office setting in many ways, because I needed the break for my mental health. And I I'm sad for people who do not have the flexibility now after so long of everyone saying work will be changed forever and maybe we'll all be virtual or maybe we'll, you know, the idea that you only get three sick days a year at a lot of companies, that is absolutely terrible. It's sick. Okay. That's that's all I have right now. I know. What a bummer. I had such high hopes too for post pandemic. Well, I mean, we're still in it, but you know what I mean? The way, once we transition back into, um, into the world and I agree, like what the hell is up with this still like a handful of sick days a year? It's like, Come on, this is stupid and cruel. 
Um, anyway, <laughs> Brad, do you have a dose of drama to share with us on this fine day? Yes, I think I have. A, I'm going to mix my recommendation with Ooh. my rant because I think they tie. So I'm currently reading Amanda Klutz, her book, yes. Live Your Life, about um, her life with Nick and about Nick passing away. I was kind of hesitant to read it just because I loved Nick so much. I had such, in, I had such respect for him and losing him was really hard. But I also have a lot of respect for Amanda. So I wanted to read her book to understand her experience and support her. And in reading the book, one of the beautiful things about the book that I found so inspiring, it's that Nick and Amanda both never allowed their performance careers to to not allow them to live their life and to pursue other things that they love, to create businesses, to create music, to be authentically themselves. And they found each other and they supported each other in being their authentic selves. And I tie that with my rant because I I often, I'm so privileged to sometimes meet younger people, younger black kids, brown kids who say that, they, they watch me or they're watching me. They're so inspired by me. They think it's so cool that I'm on Broadway and doing this and they want to be just like me or they want to be just like this person. And I remember being younger too, wanting to be just like somebody else, right? Have my career look just like somebody else. And what I want to say, what my rant is about, we got to stop that. Young listeners, be yourself. If you're a performer and you want to be on Broadway, you want to be on TV, you want to be in movies, you will get there much faster by being yourself, by showing up as you and by not trying to be anybody else because there is no one else like you. And I promise you, somewhere along the way of your hunt and your grind and your hustle, someone is going to choose you to do this thing because you came in as yourself, because you live like yourself. And I think to to continue talking about Amanda and Nick, you cannot just pursue performance without pursuing other lanes of life that make you your full self. So if you love cooking, cook and tell me about it. If you love making music, make it. If you want to start a business, start it. If you love to paint, do it. Do whatever it takes to allow you to be your authentic self, because I promise you it will work in your favor. And I think that's something that I didn't learn until I was near 30. It took so many years for me to really understand that why are these things happening for me? Why do things like this happen to me versus the other things? It's because I'm only going to get to do things that really allow me to show up as myself. So be yourself. And it's one of my favorite doses of drama we've ever had. That speaks to me majorly. I need to read the book. I have been hesitant. I followed that story so closely and yeah, it's a beautiful book. It's so beautiful. It's heartbreaking, but also it's it's funny how they was able they're able to match the heartbreak with such hope. Mm. So beautiful that Amanda navigated her her life and her, raising her child, their child around this beautiful energy of hope and faith and possibility and I'm. I have so much respect for her. Everyone should read it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We will. We honestly, I might include a link in the episode notes because it's important. We talked about Nick so much over the last year. Um, I think it's actually been about a year now since he passed. So, yeah. Yeah. wow. Thank you for those words, Brad. And honestly, thank you for this chat. Yes. It it's been such a delight to get to talk to you, and especially about all of your various experiences on stage, screen, with your original music. It's 
It's amazing. You're doing it all. Thanks so much, guys. You know what? We just, we out here. We <laughs> out here. We got to keep going. We can't stop. And everybody needs to follow Definitely. you on Instagram, Brad Gibson 13 And then are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, but I'm never on Twitter. Gotcha. Okay. So everyone should go to the <laughs> IG to get all, yes. all, all things Brad. Watch Ghost season one, which is out now, right? And then season two coming soon. Soon. So soon. Amazing. Brad, it has been so nice to meet you and chat with you. And I can't wait to see you perform a concert of all your music live one day. And Connor, everyone should follow you at Connor McDowell. Everyone should follow me at Dylan McDowell, us at the drama podcast. And we'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.